ready for the interview And if you get a cue live on a laptop Watch what I'm gonna do Welcome to the show Let them know we got a point of view Hey, yo, let's have a combo Say what you feel, be real That's the motto Real talk, pronto Dr. D, PhD, hit the intro Hold up, wait Gotta be social Network global Home for the locals Gotta be social Network global Home for the locals this episode is brought to you by Verizon. With Verizon, you can now get a private 5G network, so you can do more than connect your business. You can make it even smarter. Now ports can know where every piece of cargo is and where it's going. Robots can predict breakdowns and order their own replacement parts. And retailers can get ahead of the fashion trend of the day with a new line tomorrow. With a Verizon private 5G network, you can get more agility and security, giving you more control of your business. We call this enterprise intelligence. From the network America relies on, Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available in select areas. Pre-qualification required for private 5G network. Terms apply. With Kroger Free Pickup, the savings are always with you. So you get the same great deals as in-store right in the app. Add your family's favorites to your cart while at the zoo, the science fair, or wherever. No matter where you order Kroger Pickup from, you can stay on budget while easily stocking up on everything you need. So start your cart and save from wherever today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum. Restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Being recorded. It's funny. I heard that back on yours right there. <laughs> and uh, Jennifer, it's lovely to meet you. And so funny. Right before we got on, you're like, I'm creating a birth plan. I'm like, wait a minute. Let's just <laughs> jump right in. What are we talking about here? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Thank you for having me today. Of course. So tell me about this birth plan. Like, what's. Uh... Yeah. So I am um, 30 weeks pregnant. Congratulations. And thank you. And um, it's my first go around on this. And I actually have on Saturday, we have a, our first prenatal class, which is about labor and delivery. So I'm sure I'll be um, sufficiently traumatized uh, <laughs> by then. And um, so, yeah, I was researching what happens mm -hmm. <laughs> so that I could write down questions, but then also start writing down my preferences to see if you know, the hospital we're having it at is kind of aligned with, um, um, with what we want. So yeah, learning way more than I probably want to, but that I need to. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you don't know me, but, uh, my wife has been a labor and delivery nurse for like 20 something years. So if you have any yeah. questions, just bring them this way <laughs> and the Parkers will tell you all about it. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, interesting. I mean, I think the whole thing, like throughout the whole pregnancy, as well as, you know, now that I'm kind of focused on what happens at delivery, but also, you know, the more important part, like the after part, of course. Um, I think what I have just found really fascinating is just the really the whole physical and mental change throughout pregnancy and then motherhood. And I, I just, I think it's, it's so fascinating that really, you know, once you start digging in, like we all know, obviously your body creates a human being, but mm -hmm. when, you know, you're looking through the, I have like two apps that I follow. I have, you know, the typical what to expect book that I've yeah. been reading, like things like that. But when you actually start reading through it and seeing week by week, what is actually happening? Um, it's, it's pretty amazing. And I just, I find it just fascinating. So yeah. I think, 
Um, you know, a little bit is true for labor and delivery too. Like you don't realize it's that complicated until you, you know, actually read through all the process and all mm -hmm. the options and, you know, decisions you have to make. Um, cause I think originally I was like, well, I'm not going to do a birth plan. Like my birth plan is healthy, baby, healthy mom, yeah. like whatever it takes, yeah. which it's still at the end of the day, that's, you know, obviously the main goal and this could all go out the window if, if something needs to happen. But, but I didn't realize how many just decisions that mm -hmm. you should think about ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny. The, uh, and then you can read all these things and do all these things. I have a almost 11 year old daughter and the actual mm -hmm. parenting part is just like, it's, it's never what you think it is. Never. Right. It's yeah. I know. Changing, I was, you know. I had my baby shower this past weekend and, um, and within it, one of the games we play, cause normally like I hate baby showers. I think they're mm. so boring. They <laughs> <laughs> like when I have, I've gone to, so I'm 40 years old. So I've been to a lot of baby showers mm -hmm. and I always, that was like my least favorite thing to do out of the shower situation. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, if we're going to do games, let's at least do something kind of like fun. Like, I don't want to be smelling diapers with like <laughs> chocolate in it. I don't want to be trying baby food. Like these no. are, I hate those games. So Weird. we did like a top 10 things that I like about being pregnant. And then like top 10 things that I dislike about being pregnant. And one of the main, one of my very high on the list things I dislike are like these parental horror stories. Ah. Uh. Yeah. That, you know, as a first time parent, you get a lot of that. Like people are like, oh, it's your first time. Let me tell you how bad it's going to be. <laughs> and you're, like, you're like, you know, I like to say like the first time parent is the only time you really have that like period of ignorant bliss mm -hmm. that like, just let us have that. Just let us have that <laughs> us like, have a it. little longer. Right. You know, uh, because also you could like you could sit here for the next hour and tell me about all the challenges and tribulations that you guys faced as sure. first time parents. And the thing is, is that I won't get it. Yeah. I won't get it. Like yeah. I've never been through it. It's going to go over my head. So like why bother? And instead <laughs> just let me, you know, focus on like the exciting part of it yeah. and the scary part of it. Sure. But yeah, I love this. I like how you've you've thought this through, Jennifer. You've really thought about it. <laughs> the honesty is un, is very good. It's very good. <laughs> well, I only plan on doing this once, so I feel like uh, yeah. you know, let's We're learn in the as same much boat. as we can. We're in the same yeah. boat. I'm an only time parent. There's one time only time parent. Yes. Okay. And how many people when you said that? how many times have then said, you're going to want more, you're going to change your mind. Trust me. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, yes, that's very true. Uh, I feel like my experience was like, people were like, not happy that I, we weren't having another, like it was like offensive to them. It's right. Like, like oh, how could you just stop? At how once? could you, they need a brother or sister or something. <laughs> I was like, why don't you just mind your own business? I'm like, <laughs> If you want to have 10 kids, have at it. Like, yeah. don't worry about my situation. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I hate that. I've gotten probably that comment more than anything else where I'll yeah. be, you know, they always ask, are you a first time? Is this yeah. your first? Which is fair. And I always say, which, 
even that question is interesting because in a way it almost signifies there will be more, right? Yeah. It's yeah. not, but it's like, so is this your first? And I'll say yes. And then I usually say, and only. Yeah. And immediately, like people just can't leave it at that. That's they just, crazy. Like they can't, they, they have to submit their opinion and, <laughs> and it doesn't matter who it is, like family, yeah. random people, like the cashier at the grocery store, like it doesn't yeah. matter. Everyone believes that you can't just have one, like there, there's no way you're going to change your mind or to your point, you know, like they need more. And you're like, first of all, in this day and age, how do you afford like two, I know. three, four, <laughs> five? Like, this isn't like our parents where like my dad had eight brothers and sisters. Yeah. There is no way you could afford nine kids right now, like no. in this society. Like I'm looking at 3000 a month for daycare. Like yeah. times oh that by God. nine. <laughs> oh yeah. I live in Chicago. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a lot. <laughs> My reaction was like, whoa. <laughs> No, that's how I was too. I yeah, was like, I'm yeah. sorry. Um, and are they getting like a private chef that's going to Seriously. be creating the meals for them? Um, yeah, <laughs> it, it's insane. Like we found one that was like a deal at like 2,400 a month. Oh, a deal. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And you're like, for a newborn, like what, mm. what are you doing? Like, yeah. I wish someone would pay me $2,400 a month to like change diapers <laughs> and watch them sleep. Um, but yeah, it's like times that by two, three, four, like it's, it's just unrealistic, It is, you know? It is. Um, and then, and then let alone just, uh, you know, I, I am 40. So realistically we were so blessed. Like this one has been very uneventful. Yeah. There's been no complications. There's been no issues it didn't take us, it only took us like six months to get pregnant. Like yeah. this has been this knock on, I hope this is wood next to yeah, me. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> um, it's, been, it's been, you know, pretty easy sure. um, in the grand scheme of things. And I'm like, I feel like in this weird way, if I have, if I try to have another, which I would never do right away because I mean, girl needs a break mm, in between, right? right? Like, not trying to be pregnant for two years straight. Um, <laughs> so it's like, wait a couple of years to like toddler. So you don't have two newborns. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now we're looking at like 42, 43, trying to get pregnant. Yeah. And I just feel like it's at that point, you're almost like testing fate and I'm almost asking for like hardships mm. that I don't, I don't want to have to go through, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm just like, no. So I, I hate that pressure for, yeah. for a second kid. Cause you're like, we don't, we don't even know if that's possible. And like, there's just yeah. a lot of pressure to put pressure to have kids in general in our society, I think is just, um, it's a, it's a hard path because yeah, it's unbelievable. so many people, not just women, but like men, you know, with, I mean, they are, they contribute to having a kid too. Right. Yeah. And, and there's so many things that have to go right for a baby to actually be born Yes. that putting, and that are completely out of your control, that it's like putting pressure on anyone to have a kid is, is just so unfair. I think because, it's insane, actually. Yeah. It's, uh, it's ridiculous. Like, it's like, 
It's not yeah. like eating chips. So you can only have, you can't just have one. I mean, I was like, yeah. it's not Doritos here. I mean, what is this? Yeah, like? No, it's like, we're, <laughs> we're just so thankful we're having one. I'm yeah. like the day we told my parents that, um, that we were having, that we were having one. Cause they've been bugging me for at least 11 years to have a child. <laughs> been bugging you. Um, so when we told my dad, he was like, and, and we knew it was a girl right away because I'm older and they do the testing, you know, right away. Um, so we said, you know, we're having a daughter and he was like, oh, so for the first you can try or for the second one, maybe you can try for a boy. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to set expectations. Yeah. We're, we're, I'm like, I'm only 10 weeks pregnant right now. We're going to set expectations. Yeah. There won't be a second. Also, no such thing as trying for a boy. Like, you don't get to that. Um, <laughs> I love the know. realism here. <laughs> like, Straight shooter. Like, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially when it comes to this. I'm like, no. Like, to your point, yeah. why don't you mind your business? Mind your business. Yeah. Um, I did not want you interfering in their life about it. No, oh, I wouldn't want not. that. They don't want my opinion. They <laughs> don't exactly. want me interfering. So I'm like, let's goes both ways here. yeah it works both ways uh, yeah and now the big question is what's the name oh and i see it is intense line of questioning <laughs> intense is an interrogation here i mean what is this like there is like all four grandparents are asking great grandma's asking yeah like uh they really were pressuring to to do it in time for the baby shower and i'm like yeah no. And they think we are just lying and we have it and we're not saying anything. I'm like, no, no, we really don't. <laughs> like, yeah. There's no secret lists or anything. Like we really right. don't know yet. <laughs> yeah. This is refreshing. Okay. It's very refreshing. You're like a very straight to the point person, which I love. <laughs> I feel like yeah. you're probably like this in a lot of things. I don't oh, know. Yeah. But like, and I think that's kind of what resonated with me when I reached out about kind of the the midlife aspect you're talking about. I'm like, yeah. oh, this is going to be an honest conversation about midlife, not some yeah. bullshit deal. Like, you know, it's like, I want the reality. You know, I'm for I'm 44 and I, I, mm -hmm. I I've had these conversations with other people and I, I just I think they're interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah so I'd love to hear kind of your arc into, you know, thinking about midlife and how things have changed for you. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I recently released a book, um, and I, and I, you know, started a podcast back in 2021 called like my almost midlife crisis. And that was truly because, you know, during the, during the pandemic, it kind of started back in 2020. And I'm sure like a lot of people, to be honest, no matter what your age was, um, during the pandemic, I think a lot of us, it was like this time of reevaluation and uh, really thinking about our lives and what was important to us and, and also just a greater sense of mortality, right? I mean, you know, when you're 21, for example, and, and you just think you're going to live forever and, and nothing's ever going to hurt you, um, you know, it's very different when you're in your mid to upper thirties, you're closing in on forties, you're in your forties or your fifties where, you know, that that's not the case. Um, and that actually time is precious and limited, right? There's like a switch there. Yeah. Well, COVID in a way almost forced us all to really come to terms with that a lot quicker 
um, and like at a mass scale. And so I was one of those people, you know, we were, um, I've been in advertising for about 18 years and I was like starting to just really struggle with like motivating myself and like this career I've had passion for, for so long, I was like, you know, just questioning if that's how I wanted to spend the second half of my life. And then I also was, we were pushing back our wedding like multiple times, which then pushed back family planning multiple times. And it was like all these things at the same time. And I remember one day I was sitting on our couch and I turned to my now husband and I was like, I feel like I'm almost like, I'm almost going through a midlife crisis. And that was really like the impetus of it, because then I started kind of looking up, you know, what is a midlife crisis? And it's, and it's funny because like a midlife crisis sounds so negative. Like it just sounds, you know, you automatically think of like going out and buying some sports car you can't afford or like (laughs) eating on your spouse with someone like half your age, right? Like these really like disruptive and in a lot of cases, destructive behaviors. And so I think people in general, no matter what they're going through, like they don't want to call it a midlife crisis because like they don't want it that like label has a lot of baggage. But what I really found was that all a really midlife crisis is, is this, um, this desire for to make a change in some or multiple aspects of your life, right? And that could happen more than once in your life. It can happen earlier than midlife. It can happen later. Um, But the reason why it's so common at midlife is because that increased sense of mortality, right? So so when then I started looking into that and I was like, well, that's exactly how I feel because I I feel like, do I want to change my career? Like we're looking to change our lives in terms of having a kid, like all of these things. Um, And... I was like, yeah, if, I think I kind of am. I think I kind of am going through that. And then fast forward, we got married, we got pregnant. And then when I was 13 weeks pregnant, I was actually laid off from my job. Not related. I feel like everyone wants me to like sue the company. It's not related. Right. Um, right. <laughs> Every, everybody, here comes everybody again. Literally, ooh. like anytime I've mentioned it, people are like, ooh, like that's a lawsuit. And I'm like, no, you know what? Not everything is a lawsuit. <laughs> This has nothing to do with that. Right. Um, but I was, I was laid off and it was literally at that moment that I was like, I don't know what's next. Like I, you know, I I could have just went and and got another job at an agency in advertising that no problem. There's plenty of jobs available and I absolutely could have done that. But I was like, something was just telling me that no, like, that's not, that's actually not what you want, you know, and, and you can, but like, should you? Um, and then I kind of joked that, okay, now I'm not almost in a midlife crisis. Now I am because I just mm. literally don't, don't know what to do. Um, and, you know, I truly believe that the difference between the midlife crisis we hear about and maybe like a good midlife crisis (laughs) is taking time to self-reflect and actually understand what's driving 
that yearning for change before you make an action, right? And if you can do that, which is the hard part, but if you can do that, then I truly believe that, that it can be this really positive opportunity and time in your life that you can make really good changes that yeah. are going to help you have an even better experience in the second half. Yeah. So, I mean, should it be called a crisis? Yeah, I don't, probably not. And honestly, like the, the label, like who cares? Like who, that's why I'm like, people don't have to call it a midlife crisis at all. Yeah. Call it whatever you want. Like, yeah. or don't call it anything. But it's basically like, if you're feeling bored, if you're like bored with your life, like you're feeling like I need to make a change. There's like this internal, like antsiness and like Mm -hmm. anxiousness that like something needs to happen. Like then that's all, that's all it is. Like, and it's fine. You don't, you can call it anything. <laughs> Let's give you it a sports analogy. It 40. <laughs> just say like you're having, you're doing adjustments at halftime or something. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. exactly. You went into like the locker room and you're like, it's coach, you gotta change show. this. Yeah. <laughs> we got some time uh, before third quarter. Yeah, like, fine. <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh, I hope the halftime show is good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it doesn't even, it probably shouldn't be called crisis. Yeah. And I think that really at the end of the day, like with anything, I think the more that we talk about it, the more it becomes destigmatized and, and, you know, people can just like chill out and and realize this is super normal and and, like give yourself some grace while you figure it out. All right. Here's a deeper question, Jennifer. We're going to go deep here with the 20 year old. What would the 20 year old Jennifer think of the 40 year old Jennifer? Yeah. You know, I, I think she would be proud. The 20 year old Jennifer was like, especially now as I'm about to become a mom, I'm like, Oh my God, could you imagine if I was doing this at 2021? Like (laughs) I'd be a mess. Um, (laughs) I think, you know, the 20 year old Jennifer, I think was, uh, it's interesting because I think she also was a little lost because I, when I graduated college, I wanted to be the next Howard Stern. That was like, mm-hmm. that. I feel like that dates me <laughs> in and of itself. Like who wants to be Howard Stern? Anymore? <laughs> but, um, but like at the time I was like, that just seems like the best job ever. Like he just gets to say what he wants. He gets to fly all over the world, like be in movies, like do all of this stuff, interview people and like, just say whatever's on his mind and like get paid for it. That sounds yeah. great. Um, and then that didn't work out. So then I went into advertising and, um, and I went all in, I mean, I went all in, that was like my whole identity, right? Like I, I worked my ass off and I, um, quote unquote paid my dues and for, for years. And I think, you know, I've just learned so much since then, which I think is the benefit of just growing up. Um, and the, the good side of aging is I think now at this point in my life, I'm much more, um, much more into like self-care, much more into putting myself first in really every situation. And that's, and 
that is something that I, I wish I probably would have learned much earlier in life. Um, but I think the 20 year old me would be thankful that I at least still have half of my life where I am practicing that. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I think it's just a good reflective question. You know, it's like, we're always like moving forward or thinking the future or what's happening now, but yeah. what about, you know, kind of these different versions of ourselves that have existed yeah. <clears throat> and as yeah, you get deeper into it, you know? Yeah. I think one of my biggest lessons, like during COVID, like one of the biggest pivotal points on that self-care spectrum was, you know, I, my whole life I had prided myself in, I would always say like, no one's harder on me than me, mm -hmm. right? Like no one is harder. I'm hardest on myself. And what I was trying to say my whole life on that was that I've always really held myself accountable and I don't really let myself like slack off. Like I always have some goals I'm working towards, et cetera. Um, or I'm also a pretty self-reflective person. So if I respond to a situation in a way that I didn't, I'm like the first one to be like, you know what? I screwed up like that's yeah. I, And I will, I will catch it usually before someone has to tell me, or if I don't, I'm, I'm not the person that's like, no, I didn't like, that wasn't me. Like I'll yeah. automatically be like, Oh shit. I didn't. Yeah. That is not what I meant. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, so I think, but I, but I always had this thing, like I'm hard on myself and like, you will never be harder on me than me. And during COVID and I was like, well, that's stupid. Like, <laughs> why would I, why is that a good thing? Right. Uh -huh. Because who am I expecting to be easier on me than me? right? Like you can still hold goals. You can still be ambitious. You can still hold yourself accountable and you should, but you also, if like, you're not willing to give yourself grace, then why would anyone else? Yeah. Right. And so I think that was really kind of the big turning point for me where I was like, this motto that I had in my head for most of my life is not serving me right? Especially in this moment where we're under so much stress and whatever. And I, and I kept telling myself, like, it could be worse, right? Like your family's healthy, you have a job, like when everything was like really going, you know, down the tube yeah. there in 2020, I like felt I had this like massive amount of guilt that like, I was like, kind of depressed, or I was kind of just like struggling in general. And I didn't feel like I had a right to because mm. I still had my job. I didn't have to worry about, you know, how to pay the bills. I didn't have to worry about, um, you know, an autoimmune disease that, that if I get COVID, it could kill me. Right. Like there were like so many things that I didn't have to worry about that I saw, you know, in all the reports and, and just with friends or whatever that other people had to worry about. So me feeling bad at the time, I just felt guilty for doing so because I was like, what, like, I felt like I didn't have the right to. Hmm. And, you know, I think that really led to that where I was just like, well, well, hold on. <laughs> like, that's not fair either. Right. Like, I mean, as long as you have perspective that it, it can be worse, it doesn't mean that you can't have like, feel what you're feeling and you can't, you know, need your own 
kind of care in order to get yourself out of that. It's so it really was, I think, um, a much needed lesson. And honestly, I think it couldn't have come at a perfect time if I'm about to become a mother, because God knows, <laughs> God knows mothers need to give themselves so much grace yes. and not be hard on themselves. And I can't even imagine if I was still in the old mindset and then trying to be a first time mom, like no way. Yeah. So, so how has this shift in mindset affected kind of your daily interaction with other people? Yeah, well, I would say quite a bit because um, now that, uh, so I didn't rush back to work. I'm, I'm not working right now, uh, which is extremely uncomfortable for me because I've been working since I was 15 years <laughs> old. So like the whole idea of not having a job is really weird. Yeah. Um, so I'm not working. I'll, I'll go back after, you know, I have the baby. I'm not not doing, I respect stay at home moms so much, but, uh, that's not me. My I wife said the that. same thing. She's like, I'm not that person. I it's not, it's not. Yeah. Like yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you like, it's great if you can. And you know what, as a woman, it's like, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you <laughs> you're don't right. if you stay at home, people are like, you're lazy. It's a vacation, whatever. If you go back to work, you're selfish. Like, so whatever, right. just do what works for you. Yeah. But, um, I'm not going to be a stay at home mom, but I was like, I'm also not going to start a brand new job. You know, I'm, I, I am at a, at a higher level at work right now. So in my career, so I'm like, I'm not starting a new job when I'm in like my second trimester and I don't know, you know, like that's just disruptive. It's legally I can, but it's yeah. disruptive for like how I work that I'm like, I don't, I don't. Too many things in our lives require too much effort. But when it comes to disinfecting surfaces with the new Clorox disinfecting mist, you just spray and walk away. No wiping required. The aerosol-free Clorox disinfecting mist kills 99.9% .9 of germs on hundreds of surfaces with an easy-to-use continuous sprayer. And it comes in two delightful scents with the reusable sprayer and refills that help keep plastic out of landfills. Try the new Clorox disinfecting mist today. Use as directed. Rinse required on incidental food contact surfaces. want to do that. So I'm just going to wait. And in the meantime... Um, you know, at first I really struggled with that decision to wait. Like I was like looking for like part-time roles. And my husband was like, are you doing this because you want to, because you're bored or are you doing this because you feel like you have to? And he's like, because he's like, I just like, why are you applying for this stuff? Right. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I'm like, I, part of it was, I felt, I felt guilty for putting the added financial pressure on him. I also felt guilty for like having free time, right? Like as a, as an elder millennial, we're like, it's like our worth is based on our productivity. <laughs> and like, I, I literally felt guilty for having a day where I was like, I don't like, I'm not going to do anything today. Yeah. Um, and so I had to kind of really get over that hump first, but now, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm close. I'm getting a lot closer now. All of a sudden I have a lot more to do, but I'm working with like a career coach. I'm still keeping myself somewhat busy I'm working with a career coach. I'm doing my podcasts. Um, but in terms of relationships with people, I think the thing that I noticed the most, this is the first time I haven't worked. I also feel like I'm, you know, going through kind of a, no, no, none of my friends are pregnant. 
Um, and in fact, none of my friends in Chicago even have kids. Mm. Um, so it, it got to the point at the end of the second trimester where I, I did start getting a little depressed and like a little feeling of isolation. Um, because it just felt like no one, like I didn't have a community that understood what I was going through. And I think that that was kind of a big lesson. Like I, I have great friends and, and I love them and they're not, you know, they're very supportive even though they don't have kids, but I realized that that's actually not enough. Like it's actually really important to have a community that truly is going through what you're going through in order to, to kind of evade that, that self isolation that happens. Um, and so I think I've been just really conscious over the last couple, I don't know, what am I seven months pregnant? Yeah. So last like four months, um, I've been a lot more conscious on what do I need, um, mentally, uh, to just stay in a positive place and, and what does that mean for my relationships? And in some cases that means pulling back, Mm. um, from relationships that do not leave me in a positive mental place. Um, and in some places, uh, that means maybe asking, like actually asking for what I need, which is sometimes also really difficult. Um, and then in other places really just, or maybe I should say all places setting boundaries, right? Yes. Um, which is also difficult sometimes. So it's just a lot of, again, prioritizing, like, what do I need so that I can show up and be the best for those around me? But also sometimes that means I actually, I need to take a break and I actually can't be what you need right now. Right. And, and that's, that's okay too. Have, have other people told you about this shift in your mentality or have expressed their ideas about it or thoughts related to it? No, it was definitely something I kind of, um, started noticing in myself. Mm. And I, um, my husband and I have talked about it, especially over the last couple of years, like as we were, it really started coming up more as we were wedding planning through mm -hmm. COVID. And, you know, we had to cut our list down quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And as we were making those changes, the conversation came up a lot and he's much better at boundary setting than I am. Um, so it came up a lot of like, if you don't really want this person, then don't have them. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I, it sounds so easy, but right. like it, when it's like family and not like, you know, my immediate family, sure. but especially like the extended family, like, like we had a Christmas party in December and it was with like the only, I said it was like a Facebook invite. Cause my family like still plans everything on Facebook <laughs> and, um, and it, like the only people going were aunts and uncles that I have really had no desire to see. Yeah. And I was like, cause they, cause they're just, they just bring like toxicity. And I was like, oh, like, I want to see my brother because my brother's hosting it, but I don't really want to see anyone else that's there. 
Yeah. And my husband was like, so don't go. And I was like, what? Like, I was like, I can't just not go <laughs> to the family Christmas party. Like, I just, I can't just not. And he was like, if you're not going to enjoy going, <laughs> like, just respond no. <laughs> and so then I, so I did, I responded no. Yeah. And then my brother asked why I wasn't going. And a, like, I so wanted to like make up a bullshit excuse, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, I so wanted to make up like, oh, well we had another party or like we were going to be out of town or like whatever it is. Um, but then I was like, no, you know what? Fuck it. Right. Yeah. I was like, you know what, Dave? I'm like, I'm not coming. Cause I don't want to see uncle yeah. blank and aunt blank. Like, cause I, I have no desire. I have no desire to, to sit with them for the night. And I was like, but I would love to see you and the kids and would love to plan a different night for us to hang out together. And I was like, Ooh, that felt that really good. It got good to <laughs> like, Jennifer. <laughs> I, like afterwards I was like, yes, like that felt great. And so then I think it's like, just the more you do it, I guess then, yeah, it yeah. starts getting like a little easier, but, um, but yeah, sometimes like, the mental part is so much harder than the physical part, right? Yes. It, it really is. Yes. Um, and I'm learning a lot. I feel like while I've been, sorry, I have like pregnancy hiccups. So there's okay. It's all good. <laughs> um, so I feel like the last couple months, it's just been really me taking time just to like learn about myself and learn about that mental aspect um, including things like, like I recently learned about like matrescence, mm. um, which is this, uh, it's literally the mental shift from being a non-mother to a mother mm -hmm. that is equivalent in its extent to adolescence because it's hormonal, uh, physical, and mental. And, you know, as I was reading all of these books about physically what happens, and I was feeling this isolation and kind of this, you know, shift mentally, it really got me thinking like what everyone talks about when you become a mother and, you know, you're going to be tired and you're going to be breastfeeding and you're going to like, you know, do all these things. But I'm like, but none of it really talks about like the actual mental shift of adding that title of mother and like, what, what does that do? Yeah. And so I kind of came across this matrescence, which is the shift of identity. It's an, it's an, it's basically like an identity crisis. Um, and then it lasts for like the first year, like from pregnancy through the first year of having a child and it's like stuff like that. I just find absolutely fascinating. Yeah. And, and to be honest, things that I think our society, you know, the other thing that I'm learning is like, when you have a kid, when you're pregnant, it's all about you. Right. Which is great. Um, but then the second you have the kid, it's like, who cares? Like it's about the kid <laughs> and you need to focus on the kid. And you just need to like suck it up or whatever and like be a good mom. And that means being a good mom means like forgetting about yourself and focusing on the child. <laughs> and, and I think like, as I've been going through this, 
I've been using my new boundary setting skills and I've been using like all of these things um, to really be like, no, you know what? Like postpartum is not just learning how to take care of child. It's also learning how to take care of me in that moment and being very vocal in what I need and mentally, physically, everything. Um, So yeah, I think the mental part is, the hardest part, but I think I also think it's just like the most fascinating. It is the most fascinating. And funny enough, like people care less about your kids, the older they get, believe me. <laughs> They're like, this is what they start yeah. becoming like humans, regular humans right. are like, oh, anyways, uh, you're starting to behave. I, like I also just think that my husband and I were just talking about that the other day. We were like, I'm just so excited to see her like develop. Yeah. Right. Like, when, I mean, when they come out, they know nothing. They know nothing. Mm-hmm. Like they can't even see fully. You can't, they're like not even fully formed mm-hmm. really compared to like when a giraffe gives birth and the giraffe right. runs away like mm-hmm. 10 minutes later. The horse, yeah. They can't do anything. Um, they can't even see color yet. And and it's like you, you come out of this body into this like where every single sound and taste and and what you hear and everything is brand new at all times at all times and and then we like complain that they cry of course they cry you know how terrifying that would be <laughs> like that is terrifying um so it's like of course they cry all the time because you know we're so used to it they're not but then it's like to just see them develop these things that we take for granted on a on a regular basis and then and then to see them turn into little humans and have personalities mm-hmm. and have opinions and like cognitive thinking where they're like problem solving. Yeah. And like, I just, I think it's just, I cannot wait. I think it's going to be such like, it's like the ultimate reality TV show that like <laughs> you get a front row seat uh, to all of it. Yeah. I'm at a fun age, like I'm about 11 where oh, yeah. <clears throat> your child is like a person person. They have very strong opinions about things, but they're also incredibly naive at the same time. Right. And they're starting to look like an adult a little bit. It's wild. Mm -hmm. It's wild. My niece is 11. Yeah. It's wild. It's funny, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And like this weekend she was talking about, I don't know why this came up, but we were talking about like all gender bathrooms. (laughs) grandma grandma brought it up i was like oh we sh- this is not something we should be talking about <laughs> um but grandma brought it up oh, and okay. um and she had a lot of opinions on the subject yeah and i was happy to see they aligned with my opinion <laughs> but um no but it was interesting because it's like it's it's this hotly debated yeah. for whatever reason topic right. um and this little 11 year old was very much in the conversation mm-hmm. and, you know, and is actually experiencing it firsthand because yes. schools right. are having to make decisions. That's right. And things, That's right? right. So, um, or like my nephew who's eight was asking me, he's like, can only girls have babies? Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm like, you know, in today's world, that's a 
that's actually a more complicated question. Yeah. Than, like it used yeah. to be. Right. And so I was like, how do I like explain this to an eight-year-old without, you know, like with it being eight-year-old appropriate? And I was like, um, I was like, well, you need a you need certain parts to have to have a yeah, baby. Of course. You may not consider yourself a female or a male. Uh, or you may consider yourself either, but you, but you do need some physical organs yeah, in order to have a, like birth a baby. And he's like, oh, so you mean like when people are confused about what gender they are? Like, <laughs> I love that they're having this conversation. It's great. I'm like, um, sure. Like, well, you know what? we'll <laughs> sure. leave it at that for now. Like, I'm not gonna, <laughs> cause I also was like, I don't know what your parent, how your parents feel sure. about the subject. So I'm yeah. not trying to like put my opinions on it, <laughs> but I was like, um, I was like, yeah, kind of yeah. sure. I was like, but so, you know, but you need the facts are, and I, and I feel like that's what I'm starting to lean into. Cause these kids, they do, they, they have so much, they know so much more than we think they I do. do. And so I just like lean into the facts and then like let them kind of make their opinions from there. Yeah, that's going to be fun for you. Honestly, it's going to be yeah. fun. Like my daughter's like been a massive drag queen fan since she was like two or three years old. Like I mean, who obsessed, is like obsessed, obsessed with drag queens. She watched RuPaul's Drag Race. <clears throat> oh, yeah. All this stuff. <laughs> And I just think it's amazing. I just think it's fun. Hilarious. It's hilarious. But she's like so into it. It's not like it. we were pushing it here or there. She's just like totally into it. I just want to you know, I just want to be a supportive parent, you know, encouraging, 100%. you know, it's your life. It's not my life, really. I mean, I'm just yeah. guiding you. <clears throat> I'm trying. First of all, in the beginning, you're trying to keep your kid from killing himself, him or herself. Right. <laughs> They're always alive. touching everything and they have yeah. no like survival instinct. Zero. Right. You're like, OK, I'm just trying to keep you alive. And then yeah. after that, that kicks in. It's just you're, you're guiding the ship. You know, it's kind of. Yeah. You're just like, just figure, figure it out. Here we go. Ask uh, questions, you know, <laughs> like. I think like the funniest question I ever got, actually five year old from my other niece, five year old, we were coloring. Nothing special. She goes, and Jen, how come some boys like boys? Yeah. And I was like. I don't know how that just came up. Like, <laughs> we're, like we're literally coloring like Barbie dolls. That's how they or, think, like, my little Jennifer. Pony. That's how they but think. But I'm like, and it's at five, at five mm -hmm. years old. And I was like, well, and then I was like, I think my answer was, I was like, well, God makes everybody different. Mm -hmm. And just like, some boys like boys, some girls like girls and some girls like boys. Yeah. And then she was like, I was, in my mind, I was like, please do not ask me to elaborate. Do not <laughs> ask me your questions. And then she was like, okay. And like went yeah. back to coloring. And I was like, all right, pass that one. Pass and it's it. like, that's, I think, going to be the tough part. Like, like, what's the craziest question that like your kid has asked you? <laughs> it's crazy. Like, I think a lot of that stuff, like sex-based questions is like the biggest. And they ask like five-year-old super early gender-based questions. Um, I remember one they time. See it and yeah, they, they see it. it. My daughter goes, she goes, she goes, dad, do you and mom have sex? And I'm like, yeah, we do. And she goes, oh my God, this is incredible. <laughs> like, <it's just> like, <laughs> you look forward to you're that. You're like, okay? that's also why you're here. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, do we, yeah, it does. Yes, we do. 
She's like, oh my mm-hmm. goodness, I didn't think so, but wow. It's like, <laughs> like, why do you not think? Like, we're very open. I'm like, yeah, well, let's yeah. talk about it. Let's, okay, let's, you know. Yeah. But that's the thing I think what's interesting is like, if like, we're so worried about like what other people are teaching our kids and stuff like that. But like the kids want to know, like they want to know early, like they're going to ask, you cannot escape it. And they're all pivotal points in their life. Your answer give is going to create a ricochet is going to create an imprint on them of what they think it is. This is like no pressure. (laughs) You know, it's like, yeah, I know. (laughs) you know, like you're either going to raise like an a-hole or yeah, exactly. um, yeah, Can you imagine I mean, some people are telling their kids crazy shit. Seriously. Oh, crazy oh I know. Right. <laughs> I know because we've already also had the conversation about like, OK, things that we will not allow our family members to say in front of our children. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there will be some boundaries set on There's that element list. as well. <laughs> There's a list. <laughs> it is well defined. Um, and things that I have heard come out of their mouths. So um, yeah, it's definitely like, I, like, for example, I bought, um, we're definitely in the new parent stage where we buy things that we won't need anytime soon. Just they're cute, <laughs> right. So we were in the store and I saw this and they didn't have this when we were, when we were kids, they had this little crayon thing it has 18 crayons. And it is purely skin tones. Yeah. And I was like, I love this. Like, this is so smart. I wish we had this when I was a kid. And really for us, like my husband's Colombian. I'm obviously not. <laughs> we don't, you know, we don't know what, you know, if she's, I, 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 th- I immediately thought ahead. I'm like, if she draws a picture of our family, she is going to need a variety of colors, right? And this is such a great like learning tool, right? Where if she uses this, then she can ask like, why are there 18 colors? Yeah. And then you're like, well, there's a lot of different skin tones and all skin tones are beautiful. And right, like that's just like a perfect it's great. learning moment. So I was so excited. I bought this $12 thing of 18 crayons. It's <laughs> like ridiculous, but- <laughs> I bought it. So I'm explaining it to my boomer parent. (laughs) And she's like, why do you need that? And I was like, well, and I told her exactly what I just said. I was like, it's so great. Like, you know, blah, blah. And she's like, well, that doesn't make sense. She's like, you're supposed to tell them that you don't see color. And I was like, "Mm, oh, no, no. that was that was like (laughs) the 90s. That's what we were told. I was like, well, we've moved past that now. Um, And now we, we do, and we celebrate them. And, and it was just this, just disconnect of like, I not computing like in her brain of like why that matters. And it's like, (laughs) and there's so many people that are still teaching their kids that or God forbid worse. Um, And, you know, so it's definitely, yeah, like thinking about how do I, how do I not force my views and let them create their own, but how do I also make sure I don't raise a jerk? (laughs) It's always the worry. Yeah. (laughs) Like, because we've all met those people and I'm like, how do I avoid my kid turning out like that? You're right. You know, when you see it, you're like, oh no, something happened. 
It, it was bad. Something happened. <laughs> and you look at the parents, yeah, you're like, like, that was it. <laughs> like, if that was my kid. I would be so embarrassed. Like, how <laughs> do I not make that mistake? And it could be like just crappy beliefs or they're just like rude or they're yeah. like, I mean, there's so many things and you like see them and you're like, how do I not raise an asshole? Yeah. You know, the rudeness like part, the rudeness part is a big thing because I see a lot of parents who like don't correct their children or tell them, hey, this is how you act in this place or play, say please and thank you. A lot of people actually don't do that with their kids anymore. It's really bad, actually. So, so then you wonder why they're not courteous to people. Yeah. And insensitive to things, you know, like it starts with yeah. you. You are literally think about it this way. They, if if an alien landed on Earth and they knew right. nothing of our planet, like, it's basically like a baby. What is this? Exactly. What is this? What is this design? What is how does this they'd have questions? Your child is like a they came from another planet in your womb into this planet. Yep. They're like, how does this work? And then somebody yeah. tells like, them, I need you to tell me. Tell how me. It works. How does this work? Yeah. And you're right. It's like, and it's, it's everything. And yeah, it, it drives me crazy when people yeah. don't teach them stuff like that. Cause you're like, cause then it's so obvious. It's so obvious. obvious. It's so and you're just like, well, or I think even worse when they teach them it, but then they don't, they don't actually do it themselves. Right. And I think yeah. that that's also the big, you know, that's also another just massive problem because yeah. it's like your your kid is smarter than that. Like Way you can smarter. say it all you want, but if you're not practicing what you preach, then it what you're saying is going to go in one ear and out the other, as yeah. as it should, because they're also looking, they're watching you when you don't know. Oh uh, yeah, they are paying <laughs> attention to everything, and like you need to lead by example. Completely. It's it's a huge thing. I just think the magnitude of it. See, that's my whole thing with like um, for us personally, with just having one child is like the magnitude of this was overwhelming to me. Yeah. And I just honestly, we just, just don't want to go back to it again. That's the honest truth. Right. I'm fairly selfish about it. Uh, my wife is too. It's like I has other things I wanted to do. And I know if I went yeah. down this road several times, I'm going to sacrifice other things. Yeah. And I know I can give energy for this one. I know I could do, but I refuse to be in a situation where one child raises another child. That happens all the time. That's bullshit, by the way, complete horseshit. Yeah, and you're not doing your kid any favor by doing mm -hmm. that to them. It's just, oh, just let the other ones do it. Like, really? You want to be an indentured servant? I mean, <laughs> I'm like, what do you think this is? Like, they don't have no, a choice I in it. Totally agree. <laughs> like, I totally agree. I think like, that they the just pure responsibility Ugh. of parenthood, I think nine times out of 10 is not, is not something people take as seriously as, as they should. Right. And, you know, to me, when I say like, we only want one kid and, and it sounds like you feel the same way. It's like, that's me being responsible. It's responsibility. Because, because I know that this is a massive undertaking. Like you can have a spoiled jerk dog and it's not going to be that. Like we have a very spoiled French bulldog. Yeah. She's a pain <laughs> in my ass. But, <laughs> but like, what's she going to do? Like who's she really impacting? Right. Like there's no expectations for her to like contribute to society, right? Like she's, she's fine. She's no. going to the dog park and maybe she doesn't want to play that day. With other <laughs> exactly. dogs. 
who cares? But like uh. with with humans, like humans impacts so much around them that it is up to you and that is a huge and, it, and I totally agree with you. It's like so overwhelming. It's like exciting. Yeah. That I'm like, ooh, I can like I have the opportunity to create a good person. Yes. That's going to like do good and that's right. going to like help write the sinking ship it feels like right now. Right. And um I'm also gonna have to explain why it's sinking. Um, <laughs> exactly. But, but like I have that opportunity and that is a huge responsibility. And yeah, doing that multiple times, it's like, I, I do also still have goals in life. And I, and I that's do what I'm saying, still <laughs> have like other things that like, and, and if I, and by the way, if I ignore that, I probably actually won't raise the next one that well. Yeah. Right. Like, because mentally I'm, I'm not going to be at my best. Right. Yeah. So it's like, I don't think that that's, but it, it goes back to, it's not about you. It's about the kid mm-hmm. now. Right. Yeah. And, and that whole just mentality needs to change. It's actually, it's actually not because yeah. we have whole generations that are raised by people like that, that put their, that were really pressured to put the kid first above yeah. themselves. Right. And I don't feel like that's worked out so well. Exactly. So it's time to like change it up a little bit. This is the real talk here. You're getting the real talk. talk. And if you're in your twenties or like early thirties having a kid, like I think I do think that's the benefit of having them older a little bit because you, you have like more formed. That's right. Yourself beforehand versus like changing with the kid. (laughs) Uh, That can get a little dicey. It can be dicey. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Jennifer, I got to tell you, this was, this is incredible. I mean, I just I just love how you communicate how you feel about things. It's very direct, but it's also mm-hmm. kind at the same time. And it's good for people <laughs> to hear that you you could exist like that and not just yeah. be a massive asshole and be direct right. or just be like passively aggressive or just be hands off. You yeah. have like a nice combination of all these things. It's Thank actually you. beautiful. I, I think you're, you're going to be a great. Mom. I think I had to learn that. <laughs> Yeah. You're going to be a great mom. I feel it. I feel it. Ah, that's my, that's my hope. We'll, we'll see. I guess we'll find out soon. Well, you know, the proof's going to be, it's going to happen. We're going to see. Right. <laughs> so- right. The first person that calls my kid an asshole, we're going to know that if I did a good job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Please tell yeah. everyone how they could connect with your podcast and you in general whole thing. Yeah. Sure. So you can find me on my website is my almost midlife crisis. Um, And then my, that's obviously the podcast name as well. So you can find my almost midlife crisis pretty much anywhere you get your podcast. And then I'm also on social media under that handle on like YouTube, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and uh, Instagram. So beautiful. Jennifer, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Of course. Do you know the risk factors for type 2 diabetes? Or what makes it more likely you or someone in your life might have the disease? With type 2 diabetes playing a growing role in the lives of so many, you need to know. And Project Power, a community program from the American Diabetes Association, is here to help. Take our risk test today at diabetes.org slash projectpower. You can avoid the risk of type 2. Project Power will help.